minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street. Five, four, three, two, one. Back in the Masson Web Studio, it is the Masson All Access Podcast. Bobby Blanco and Amy Jennings joining you. We are live on the Masson Nationals Facebook page and YouTube channel, so hopefully you're tuning in. And if not, catching us after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and or on SoundCloud. Amy, how's it going? I like the t-shirt. Thank you. Thank very you appropriate very with the uh, World Series starting tonight. You're going to rock your uh, National yeah. League Championship t-shirt yeah, from two gonna, years we're ago. we're going to throw it back today. Honestly, I won't lie. I came in straight from my other job, right? And I was like, "Oh no!" I had on a Maryland shirt, and we know we did not want to wear that today. <laughs> um, and I had this in my backpack, so it's perfect. Um, I didn't plan it, but it ended up being perfect. And you're sporting our mask and polo. Yeah, we're not matching for one. Yeah, that's true. But the higher ups here, uh, out of our power, I've asked us to uh, wear either Masson or team logoed gear on 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 camera, and that means I've got to do some shopping. I only have like that one polo I wore last. Uh, week the mat the red uh, with the curly W and then like I've got some one, other yeah. like I've got like t-shirts but like not a lot of like yeah. collared shorts or like you know the O's bros have some nice quarter zips that they wear know, on their Orioles podcast so uh, quarter zip over there is looking good I might have to do some shopping um, online shopping uh, later this week to get some new garb for for the podcast um, Critter on YouTube already saying good to see you both thank you Critter I really appreciate Thanks the comments hopefully in. you guys are joining the show throughout the course of the afternoon um, this Tuesday afternoon staying steady on our Tuesday. We got a lot to do today. Um, we're kind of just going to hit a lot of quick notes on many things. We're going to just go. Basically, we talked about obviously a lot, a lot last week about Darnell Coles being the new hitting coach and how that was one of the main first things that Davey Martinez checked off his offseason checklist. We're going to basically go through what, what else that we think is on that checklist um, and that the Nationals have to accomplish before we start reporting and, and getting into the stuff about rosters and actual baseball stuff once the new year turns because the World Series starts tonight. It'll be as over no later than next Wednesday, and then that's, that's when, you know, the offseason officially starts for all of baseball. But uh, there's some other things to get to, one of them being this just happened last night, Amy, Juan Soto being named a finalist in the National League for the outfield for a Silver Slugger Award. Of course, he won one last year. Um not really a surprise. Right, it is noteworthy, right. but um, you know, one of the best hitters in baseball is named a finalist, and I would imagine he will be going home with elite, with one of those uh, because they're handing out three in the in the outfield. Right. I mean, this I don't think him comes as a surprise to anybody. Obviously, well deserved to be named a finalist for that. Obviously, is in talks as an MVP candidate. So good for Juan Soto, one of the bright spots. I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of awards. Uh, on the rest of this roster, so right. definitely a, a bright spot there for the Nationals. Yeah, if we're talking about other, like you said, other off-season or, I guess, end-of-season awards, the only other big one that we're going to be talking about for this team would be Juan Soto for mm -hmm. National League MVP. Maybe Gold Glove? I, I don't think so. I mean, if you're doing like a top-five finalist, maybe he gets in there. I don't know if he'll be a top-three finalist. He wasn't terrible in the outfield, but that's just not his calling card. Um, he's, I don't think he's by any means a liability out in right field. I just think that there might be, that's one more you could possibly add. I, I wouldn't count on it right. though. I mean, Bowie got that gold glove finalist in left field. So yeah, that's I mean, true. and that kind of came as a surprise too, because that he, that year he particularly struggled in the outfield. Right. Um, but like you mentioned, he wasn't, it wasn't a downfall for him out there, but you never know. I mean, I right. think sometimes those, those awards are 
less about the defense and, of course, just about the bat. Right. So we're talking more Silver Slugger. We know that, that for sure. And then, of course, MVP. Uh, those finals will, will be named uh, relatively soon. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of with well, the Silver Slugger Award. You know, so they hand out three. It's not it's not like Gold Glove where it's left field, center field, right field. It's just outfield. outfield. So they'll hand out three. Um, and, again, I, I would imagine – you know, Juan Soto being one of the best hitters in baseball, having another great season, that he will be one of those three. Um, and I guess the question is, where will he put the second one? Because oh, yeah. he just hung up his first one after it was being on the floor. Was um, that when he was driving? Yeah, was he buckled it up. Buckled he buckled it. it up in the passenger seat, I guess, as he was moving out of his D.C. Uh, home for the offseason. But, <laughs> yeah, I guess the, the real question is, where is Juan going to put the second one? Or if we're going to if it gets a better spot right off the bat than the, his first one. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, I mean, surprisingly, though, I mean, other than that, so kind of going away from the awards, the Nationals, we were talking about how this was going to be a slow offseason and we probably mm-hmm. weren't going to see a whole lot of moves towards the beginning of the offseason. And especially now with the postseason still going on, the World Series starting tonight, obviously. But, you know, the Nationals already signed Alcides Escobar yep. to a one-year deal. They're, they're shortstop for next year. And they, they've signed a hitting coach. So, you know, they kind of are off to a, a hot start. Yeah. Like getting stuff done early on. Right. It's, yeah, it's not been a completely dull, I mean, this has been kind of First boring, but few like, weeks. It's, they don't, don't have like the few flashy moves yet, but it's been productive. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, es- Escobar, we will ha- have many conversations of where he fits in this roster uh, moving forward and son- resigning another one year deal. They got the, your, um, your hitting coach wrapped up. You, we haven't heard about the other coaches that were offered to come back, whether or not they're going to return. Uh, maybe they're waiting for the postseason to end and see if other opportunities elsewhere. Davey, we know that he needs at least a first base and third base coach, so that's hirings that are going to have to come over the next couple of weeks or so. Um, and then the big one, Amy, something to really look out for, is which is going to be creeping up on us as soon as the World Series ends, is the arbitration deadline mm-hmm. and the non-tender deadline. And that is going to be, from my understanding, December 1st, which is also the first day that the current CBA expires. <laughs> so how fun. that all works out, we don't know. Um, there's, of course, been reported rumors of how those discussions are going. And shockingly, there doesn't seem like to be going too great or being uh, moving forward too, too well. So let's just have this conversation under the assumption that that nothing changes, that, that this, is, right. this is how it's going to go. So you have to tender contracts to your arbitration-eligible players on December 1st, and then from there you guys can negotiate um, how much that is. And, if, of course, if you don't come to an agreement or settlement, you'll go to arbitration hearing. Um, the, the, there are a couple of big names on this mm-hmm. list, and, and we just talked about them. Let's talk about Juan Soto and get, get him over with. Juan Soto tops the list, and these projected numbers are per MLBTradeRumors.com. He's projected to get up a, to a $16.2 million contract for next year. That is just for next year, next season. That is just his. That would be his salary for the 2022 season. That is not a long-term deal or anything. That was what he'll be paid for the following season, 16.2. Josh Bell, a big name. This is his last year of arbitration eligibility. So he'll get... Uh, uh, looks like projected around $10 million. And then other big names right here that you're looking at are Joe Ross, $3 million projection, and then Eric Fetty, Victor Robles, Austin Voth, all getting under uh, just under $2 million, and then Austin Voth, $1 million, and then a couple of uh, $900,000, $800,000 for some other guys down the line. But the big names at the top of the list, Juan Soto, Josh Bell, no surprise there. 
I mean, you're not going to not come to an agreement with either of those guys. Josh Bell is going to be your starting first baseman. Juan Soto is going to be one of your best players next season in the roster. It's just a matter of how those two, uh, those two players and the team figure right. out their salaries. Right. I mean, obviously, you know Juan Soto. He's going to ride out arbitration. He's going to become a free agent before he signs that big deal, probably a record-breaking contract because, of course, he is a Boris guy. Um, and you know he's going to make a lot of money, obviously. Mm-hmm. Two outstanding years, especially at the plate. You know Juan Soto is going to make a lot of money, so that projected amount is $16.2 million. And then Josh Bell is the other big one. I think the only thing is uh, with Josh Bell is will they sign him to a longer term deal Mm. like you mentioned this is his last year of arbitration eligibility so he is going to make a good amount of money projected 10 million so I think the only the only thing with Josh Bell is if they were to non-tender him and maybe sign him to a longer term deal for reference how about the three years this this doesn't include 2020 because it wasn't a full season um, but uh, the first three full seasons as a professional for for Juan Soto, his contracts, his salaries in 2019 was five hundred and seventy eight thousand three hundred dollars. Then it jumps up in 2021. Keep in mind, 2020 season in between um, eight and a half million. And then now projected 16.2, almost doubling it, Mm -hmm. um, going from 2020 to 2021 into 2022. Um, And then Josh Bell, not as big as of a jump, but still, you know, like a three big enough. Yeah. He, he earned, he earned just uh 6.35 million this season. Um, and then now projected to get up to 10 million this year. Uh, and then it, it, within his first couple of years of arbitration, he went from 4.8 million to 6.35 and then jumped up from 587,000 to the 4.8 million and uh, between 19 and 20. So um, yeah, I mean, it's like you said, th- th- these aren't, it's not a will or won't will, Will they, won't they kind of deal? It's just how much and uh, when it gets done. And if it, like you said, you know, Juan Soto is going to carry it out. Does this go to a hearing? That's the the one concern you might have when talking about these guys. You don't want it to get ugly or uncomfortable because that's, the other thing is like, like, for Josh Bell, the Nationals could point to a slow start. I mean, that's the, that's the awkward part about this, right? Like, the, the player comes and said, this is what I did well. And the team counteracts with, well, this is what you didn't do well. And this is why we don't want to pay you that much. Exactly. And that never, I mean, that's not a, really a comfortable uh, disagreement there. You don't want your team, the people that are writing your paycheck, to be talking about what you didn't do well. Right. If they're not trying to pay you that much. Um, I think the good news for Josh Bell is this team, specifically Mike Rizzo, at the end of the season, in his end of the season Um, press conference he addressed Josh Bell Bell specifically and said you know how important he is to this team um, and that he wants him there for a while so I think I mean really that's that's their first baseman that's the best fit and I think that that's what's kind of not his saving grace by any stretch but you know a a boost and points in the right direction for for Josh Bell. So you bring up the I mean and that's the other thing too like this whole process is just figuring out their salary for next year. Exactly. You mentioned the possibility of a long-term deal for Josh mm-hmm. Bell. They could still do that, theoretically. Um, is that an actual possibility, you think? Or is that not ship have sailed, but like, is it just unlikely that they'll do no, something I, like I that? Think you think so? I think if you look at this list... I think he's the only one that obviously... Yeah, Juan Soto, that's a no. Right, that they would obviously sign to a a multi-year deal. Juan Soto, obviously not because of that whole situation that he's in. And then you look at the rest of these guys, they were either injured or just, you know, aren't in the position to sign a multi-year deal right now. But Josh Bell, oh, I absolutely think it's still a possibility. My interest, my question would be like, 
this is the question we're going to have a lot with a lot of veteran players in terms of this roster and this team and how they're going. Is Josh Bell going to want to go through a couple years of rebuilding again? Like the Nationals, I think, would have to convince him. You mentioned Mike Rizzo's interest in doing that, but would Josh Bell want to stick out? I mean, think about where he came from, too. You know, the Pirates were not very good for all those years that he was in Pittsburgh, and now he comes to a team where he expected to win, didn't turn out that way. Is he going to want to gut it out again? Um, with the hope of eventually being competitive again in a couple of years, but knowing that it's not going to be next year, it might not even be right. the year after that. I mean, he's, what, 26? Uh, I have it right here. He is... Nope. Hold on. He yeah. is 29. Tw- oh, 29. He just turned 29 in August. Okay, so... He's my age. That's crazy. <laughs> I know, that is weird. Well, I always think Josh Bell's older than he yeah. is, so... Yeah, because he's been around for a long time. Right. I mean, he debuted back in 2016. Yeah, so, you know, it's that. I think that's a good point. I think his slow start might kind of work with that. You know, mm-hmm. like let's say he comes in and he's productive at the plate immediately and he's carrying this team throughout the entire season, then that might be more like, uh, I think I'm a better fit long-term yeah. on a different team that has a chance of winning. But he didn't really do that. He kind of got a slow start and just started to to catch on fire towards the end of the season. Um, and maybe it's like, well, maybe you do kind of fit in, in yeah. here at this point in time while they're rebuilding. And on the flip side for the Nationals, the maybe the, the motivation to possibly get like, you know, sign him for two or three years more or, you know, next year and then add another year or right. two. It, right. But the motivation for me would be, because we, I talk a lot about Josh Bell possibly being a trade chip by next July. If you can add another year or two, maybe two is a bit much, but add another Probably year of two, control. Yeah that you can get more back for him than just him being a pending free agent. I think that's a really good point. And that might be just like, that would be the motivation. motivation to, hey, the let's, let's add another year to this. Mm-hmm. And, and if you want to stay and we want to keep you great, we have our first baseman for the next two years. If you have a really good start to the season and our season is starting to take a really ugly turn, we can send you to a competitor well, and, hey, and that, we can get something back. And Josh Bell might like the sound of that. Right. You know, that's so. a, that, that, you're right. That's that could, that could go both ways. Um, the other, uh, uh, Big name I want to get into it because this is a huge, huge question mark, and that would be Victor Robles. We know how these, the season ended for him. He's projected to get $1.7 million in arbitration this year. I believe it's only his second year of arbitration eligibility. I have to look that up right here real quick. But, you know, th- the question is – it's okay, it's his first year, so that's why he's not getting that much. The question is, could he possibly be a candidate to be non-tendered, meaning that they will not tender him a contract and he will become a free agent in December? I don't think that's realistic. I don't. I don't think. Only yeah, I'll answer too. I don't think it's. I don't think it's going. If you're telling me, ask me. I don't think it's going to happen. I do think it's a possibility. Oh no, I definitely think it's a possibility. Probably out of this entire list of mm-hmm. arbitration eligible guys, other than maybe Ryan Harper. I was going to say Ryan Harper. Probably. Yeah. yeah. He's probably the most likely but to be non-tender. Everyone else has a role in this mm-hmm. roster next oh, year, for sure. And but we just saw Victor Robles lose his role at the end of the season. And then he got, we talked about, Hey, if he plays well, he can get back up. Well, he played pretty well, triple A and still didn't get brought back up. I think if he, mm, mm, I guess it also depends on how this roster is going to be constructed because he, they're, they don't, they're not going to owe him a ton of money. 1.7 million projected. Yeah. It's not a lot. That's not a lot. Right. And he will be either. He's going to be competing for a starting role I mean, I know that's kind of hard to believe the way Lane Thomas performed the last month of the season, but he, he I think in spring training, will be competing for, for a starting spot on this team, if not a, a solid fourth outfielder option. So yeah. 
I don't think he's going to cost that much, and it's a roster spot that you're willing to give to this guy that you thought was going to be better than Juan Soto. I don't think they've given up on him yet. Right, because you're also looking at this outfield. This is, I mean, obviously Juan Soto, and you have Lane Thomas, their starting center fielder. Left field, Andrew probably Stevenson. a combination of Yadiel Hernandez and Andrew Stevenson, but then you're not expecting Gerardo Parra to come back. So that's an right. open roster spot that Victor Robles could fit in as like a fourth or fifth outfielder if they want to carry that many. Um, I, I think I'm agreeing with you. I don't think that... He will, I don't think he'll get non-tendered. I think he will get a contract come December. I, I, he'll get a chance to compete in spring training, but he doesn't have that many, I'm not actual options, but like chances <laughs> with yeah. the team left. Um, and another second option uh, that the Nationals could take with him, and this was pointed out by Mark Zuckerman in his end-of-year review of Victor Robles, is that they bring him to spring training, and if they decide they don't want him anymore. They can cut him. There's a deadline in mid-March. They can cut him, right. and they are only responsible for a fraction of his salary. But like you mentioned, you know, around $1.7 million isn't too, too right. much. It's just the fact that he's at one time your number one overall prospect and supposed to be, you know, your starting center fielder, leadoff hitter for however many years, and he hasn't panned out, right. and he's running out of options to prove himself. Yeah, it Chances. Did, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he's only 24, though, and it's... Yeah. It's kind of hard to believe because you've, what, three years he's come up and not been able to hit at the major league level. Right. Uh, so it's so frustrating and obviously so frustrating for the Nationals. I definitely think that it's a possibility, um, but I think, yeah, just like we agreed, probably not likely. 1.7 million is definitely affordable for Victor Robles, who I don't think they've given up on up on yet. They certainly haven't talked like it. Davey Martinez or Mike Rizzo, which you don't know how much of that is just, you know, just what they're saying at, at the surface level, but I, I don't think they've given up on them yet. No, I don't think so either. There's no reason to completely give up on them yet, but like I said, there's... This spring training is going to be very telling. And I think Victor Robles is a much more solid fourth outfielder option than Andrew Stevens. I mean, Andrew Stevenson's proven that he can't start. Right. So. Yeah. Off know, the bench. I mean, off and, the bench. you know, if it's going to be telling, like I said, Robles played well at AAA at the end of the season. It's just Lane Thomas is playing better at the major league level. So if Robles can carry that over into next February mm -hmm. and, and perform well, during early during drill and if they like what they see i mean as long as his defense doesn't take a major dip and he can somehow get that bat up just a little bit better there's like you said definitely value for a him somewhere for him, in this yeah. roster and um and davy and mike rizzo were both very spoke very highly of him davy even getting choked up when talking about victor because he's like he knows how hard victor's been working to get and it just hasn't worked out mm -hmm. for him um and he would love to see victor back so i i, I think we're in agreement We'll see yep. Victor Robles come spring training. It's just does he make it out of that of camp with the team or not? Mm -hmm. And then all of these, the rest of these guys towards the bottom of the list that aren't making as much, the Andrew Stevenson, Tanner Rainey, Austin both, mm -hmm. I think these are all guys that, that'll be tendered to contracts yeah. um, just because they're they're so cheap and yep. you see their, each of their roles um, on this team. The only one like we kind of agreed on is Ryan Harper. Um, that might be a, a good opportunity to, to open up a roster spot with him. Just a note too, for those watching on Facebook and on YouTube of, of this graphic, um, Boston Voth on there projected $1 million. This is per MLB trade rumors.com. I see him also listed as pre-arbitration eligible and some other outlets. So that might be one of those weird, uh, like fourth year option 
kind of situations mm-hmm. with Austin Voth because he's listed on, on on the website as a arbitration eligible, but elsewhere he is not. So that's I don't know how that's going to shake out for Austin Voth. But either way, you know, going up to one million dollars for him is 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 not too yeah. much. I mean, he he proved his role in um, as the long relief man, emergency spot starter. And then, yeah, Ryan Harper. I mean, you can probably find another Ryan Harper elsewhere uh, to fill out that spot in in, uh, in the bullpen. Uh, Joe Ross is an interesting one, $3 million bump. I mean, that probably would be a little more had he not gotten injured. And all signs point to he should be a go for spring training, which is a good thing. But mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, in a way, I you obviously never want a player to get hurt. They would rather him pitching. But Joe Ross, uh, you know, he could have been getting a lot more money had he completed a season because he – Showed flashes, and he, you know, of the, you know, Ross, Fetty, and Voth, you know, Ross was on pace to have the best season. Oh, yeah. It just got cut short. And so it, that's that's obviously goes against him. But, you know, he figures to be an important part in this rotation if he's healthy. You're looking at the starters, and it's going to be Strasburg if he's back, Corbin, probably Joe Ross, probably Eric Fetty, and Josiah Gray. Yeah, and I think if – Joe Ross would have stayed healthy. We might be talking about a multi-year deal with him as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just Joe Ross can't seem to, to stay healthy. But, yeah, we do hope that he's back. And he is definitely – he's going to be in this rotation if he's healthy come springtime. Yep. This is his final year of arbitration eligibility. He appeared in 20 games, 19 starts last season. And then a partial UCL tear in his right elbow that did not require surgery. So he's expected to start um, in spring training. All right. So that, again, all goes down – before December 1st, mm-hmm. you, you know, it, sometimes you hear it trickled out that they've agreed to, or they've tendered a contract to yada, yada, yada. And then we'll hear who agrees and come to terms with. Um, the other one to keep in mind, and this is something I want to get into and make a more of a podcast in a couple of weeks, probably because this deadline's a little closer uh, to protect players from the rule five draft. That is November ninth, uh, November 19th. It's a Friday in the mid November. It's a couple weeks away. We don't have to get too too much into it because I I'd rather have like a full conversation because yeah. you know when you start reading up on some of these young guys, um, there aren't too many standout names. I think the big ones that I I saw um, were uh, I had him and I lost him. Sorry, uh, Evan Lee, starting pitcher. That's the name people might remember. Uh, Tim Kate is another mm-hmm. one, and then Donovan Casey also in the outfielder. He would have to be protected as well. There, yeah, there really aren't a whole lot of guys that they do have to protect if they want to protect. There are a lot. There are just not a lot of guys that I would be too afraid to lose. Right, like, guys that they guys are, that names that jump that out. They the page, realistically that you would, right. would protect that you would have to protect. So, um, I yeah, we'll definitely do a whole podcast on that. Guys that you you're adding to your forty man to protect them in that Rule Five draft, and then who the Nationals. Um, if the Nationals will take somebody in the Rule 5 draft. Catcher Israel Pineda is also one of those guys. Um, so, yeah, that maybe that Tuesday before that Friday that we could, uh, we we could run through those guys um, and see who's going to get protected and who's going to be exposed. And, and also an interesting thing, I mean, this is, like, very hard to scout or to figure it out. I don't know if we're going to be able to dive into, but, like, the Nationals are not a team that uses the Rule 5 draft very much. Does that change with their new philosophy changes and now being in a rebuild? Do they leave spots open on the 40 man to possibly take somebody in the rule five draft this year? If there is one, even, you know, we don't even know. Yeah. Well, that's true too. Uh, I didn't even, you know, think about that, but yeah, this, this could be the year. I think if they're going to change their philosophy or this could be the year to do it since they're rebuilding, they, they need to add on. So I don't know. They've never been a big rule five draft team, but this could be the year that things change. And I think that'll be interesting to dive into. And the rule five draft order 
is the same as the draft order. So they would be picking fifth in right. both of those rounds. Uh, it's only two rounds long with, um, I think, like a compensatory round in between. Mm-hmm. Um, so they could get quality Somebody. player that high um, that, you know, they'll only caveat being that he's got to stay on the 40 man roster for a year. Uh, he takes up a roster spot, but it'll be interesting to see how the nationals approach that. And if they utilize that resource while they bring in a whole bunch of new guys and uh, young players and see what they've got. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. What else is next on the checklist? So those are two big things, obviously arbitration, then rule five draft. Um, I think, I mean, as far as, and then obviously they have to fill out that coaching staff. Like we mentioned at the beginning, they need to, to um, hire base coaches and whether they're going to add new positions, uh, kind of like Cole's mentioned uh, in his first, in his introductory um, press conference, he mm-hmm. might be interested in adding some new positions. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. And that's something that's going to have to get done on this off season. Um, and then as far as I think like actual, they are already, address their kind of middle infield need. If they're going to stick with the young guys in Garcia and Keyboom, they address that shortstop position theoretically with LCD's Escobar signing him to that one-year deal. Other than that, I think pitching is going to be the main thing that they're going to have to address this offseason, both in the rotation and the bullpen. Yeah, yeah. And we, we actually, that'll be our topic for next week, maybe do a full with the World Series Wrapping up or already finished, you know, we could possibly start diving into our our big free agent podcast next week and, and do a full preview. But yeah, pitching. I mean, I think I referenced the, the starters. I mean, and you look at it though, and they're they're they have options. I mean, this is a lot of ifs though. You know, this is if Steven Strasburg and Joe Ross come back healthy and ready to go. This is if Patrick Corbin can do a complete one eighty on his season and be a product. He has to be the number two guy now. He has to be the number two. And if Strasburg isn't ready to go, he'll be the number one, so which, which is crazy. And he, like, he didn't even pitch up to the power no. of a number four this year. No, like, or five, uh, he shouldn't. He would not have been in any other rotation if it weren't for how bad right. the Nationals ended up being. Like That's, he, yeah. he, he would have gotten demoted, and how much money he's making. Right. Um, so you got those three guys, and then uh, obviously Josiah Gray is going to play a role. I mean, if he's healthy and ready to go, he's going to be out there mm-hmm. every fifth day. Um, I think the Nationals can really uh, Mark Zuckerman had his wrap up on, on Josiah Gray uh, the other day on, on massinsports.com um if the, I think he basically said you know the Nationals can give him some you know some breathing room or you know mm-hmm. a, a long leash if he struggles that's fine you don't need to pull him or yank him or demote him uh too quickly he'll he'll if he's healthy he'll pitch every five days and get a full season under his belt right yeah so that's gonna be it was know, today it was this morning sorry yeah for, for Gray. Mm-hmm. That big thing is going to be getting Patrick Corbin back up to par the way he should be on that big deal. Um, keeping Ross and Strasburg healthy because those are the other two big names in this rotation um, and make sure that they start the season healthy and they stay healthy. Then, of course, Josiah Gray continue his development because he is going to be in this rotation. And then kind of figuring out who's going to finish off this rotation. Is it going to be Eric Fetty? We know Eric Fetty kind of struggled after his first time through the lineup um, this entire year. It's crazy. His overall ERA is like two runs higher than it is just his first time through a lineup. So maybe you can move him 
to the bullpen permanently, but then who's finishing out that? Josh Rogers had like six impressive, you know, promising starts. Is it going to be Paul Espino? You just don't know um, how this rotation is going to end up. Are you, do you sign somebody? Uh, we know Mike Rizzo's more likely to go after a starter mm-hmm. on free agency than he is to go after bullpen arms, mm-hmm. although they're going to need help in that bullpen as well. So I think, you know, rounding out that rotation and then, of course, getting help in what was a record-breaking terrible in a bad way. <laughs> in a bad way, uh, yeah. Bullpen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I think Josh Rogers, you mentioned him. I think he's definitely going to at least compete mm-hmm. for a starting spot. I think he he earned that right uh, at the end of the way his season ended. Um, Paolo Espino, we know how much the Nationals value him. I, I think there's, and he's only, he's still pre-arbitration eligible. I think he was technically a rookie this year or last year was his rookie mm-hmm. season. So he is. That's crazy. Very, yeah. I mean, even, even though he's in his mid-30s. So mm-hmm. he said at the end of the season, if they want me back, I I, I want to be back. I want to come back to this team, contribute. We know how much Davey Martinez loves having him around. Um, and and he played a variety of roles. We talked about in one of our end-of-season recap pods that how he was one of the most versatile players on this roster uh, and, and, you know, could have gotten most valuable national votes, if not for, you know, Juan Soto. Um, but, like, he did everything. He relieved. He picked. Right. I mean, he, he, he really was a Swiss Army, Swiss Army knife for Davey Martinez. So I would expect that they would bring him back and he'll get a chance to compete. And then Johan Don. I mean, he had a great, great start to MLB uh, debut at that last weekend of the season. Um, I don't know if they're going to want to throw him right into the mix of a starting rotation competition in spring right. training, I'll, he'll get the invite to spring training. He'll be there for a couple of weeks and maybe make a start in one of the handful of games. But then I bet you we'll see him get optioned down at AAA. but he'll be an option down the line next season for them. If some, you know, injuries don't, someone doesn't pan out. Someone's really struggling. Someone needs to move to the bullpen, whatever it be. He could be an option. So the, the free agent market in terms of starting pitching will be interesting because the nationals do have options. They're just a lot of question marks to go with them. It's not like they have exactly. two definite spots open in the rotation that they absolutely need to fill. They have options to fill them. It's just, everyone kind of has a question mark on, on top of their head. Real- Except maybe Josiah Gray. Right. And realistically, well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. Realistically, if you look at the entire, there's not one set guy. I mean, you no. know, Patrick Corbin's going to be starting for you. Uh, you if Steven Strasburg is healthy, you know, he's going to be starting, mm-hmm. but they're really question marks because yeah. you just, you just don't know with either of those guys. And then you <clears> move <throat> to the bullpen and there's a whole lot of question marks and that's something that they have to address. Um, you will hopefully have Will Harris back. Yep. Um, you're hoping Tanner Rainey can bounce back and have a year more like he did in 2019 and 2020. You have Kyle Finnegan, who obviously had flashes of greatness throughout this entire season. So those are guys that you're you're kind of hoping fill out solid roles in, in that bullpen. Um, but then everybody else is a whole lot of question marks. Yep. You have Austin Voth. Um, out there that you hope can be a longer man. Maybe you have Eric Fetty in your bullpen. Wander Swero back, really, and you know they like he eats up a lot of innings, but they're all big question marks and they're gonna have to address yeah, something out there. Looking at this bullpen, Will Harris is signed through next season. Um and then like on the we saw on the graphic, Wander Swero and Ryan Harper are arbitration eligible for the first time this year. Everyone else is pre arb eligible. So that's just a lot of young guys that you have, mm-hmm. like you said, question marks. Now, there's some flexibility that comes with that, though, because these guys will have options. So, you know, it'll be, you're going to see a lot of guys going up and down between AAA and, and, and DC 
next year, you know, to give guys breathers to, you know, bring up a guy, whatever it may be. I mean, you're going to see a lot of roster moves, I think, out of this bullpen because they're so they're going to be so young outside for outside of Will Harris. Um, so, but like you said, historically bad next. Year. I mean, they really need to find if they they're not expected to win a lot of games, but if you want to put out a competitive team, there's gonna. I mean. You're going to need to find another veteran presence in that bullpen. It can't just be Will Harris. And he's also a big question mark, too. I mean, he went through a very serious health issue last season. He's right. expected to be ready for spring training. That's not a sure thing, though. Um, so, you know, obviously wish him the, the best, and hopefully he can, you know, it'd be, mm-hmm. we'll be fully ready, but that's, you can't count on that at this point. Um, so I would be kind of shocked if, if Mike Rizzo didn't try to address the bullpen and, and bring in a veteran arm to help out with some of these young guys. Right. And then you have, you know, you mentioned sending guys up and down, but you have, we are talking about that list of arbitration eligible players. You have Austin both. I think he's one of the only ones that doesn't have any options left. Um, mm-hmm. So that is probably something the nationals are kind are considering. I think they will tender him to a deal, but you just never know when they're out of options and the bullpen's kind of in the situation that they are right now. And my mom's commenting a lot today. <laughs> um, she said, need another quality starter, which yes, they do, but they do have to address the bullpen. It's just, you never know with Mike Rizzo. I mean, you know, at the deadlines when, you know, they were competitive, they've made, you know, they made moves and added to this bullpen, but he is a lot more likely to go after a starter than he is to add on to this bullpen. But 5.08 ERA, second worst in the majors this year, um, blew 36 saves, this bullpen did, and were responsible for 42 losses. The most, most in history, yep. MLB history. Yep, that's so, a lot of losses. Yeah, and that it's also hard on any team, but especially a rebuilding team. Right. You know, you don't want to be blowing these games late. That just hurts. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of young guys, I mean, think of the, all the quality starts you got from Josiah, Josiah Gray didn't win his first game. Like, I mean, we pitchers of record, that's a whole other thing, but it's like his 10th start or something like that mm-hmm. with the nationals. And he pitched well enough. It definitely through his first five where he would earn, he should have earned the win. And then the bullpen blew it. Right. And so that's got to take some kind of toll on, young, on, pitchers. on young pitchers. And you, we saw some impressive outings and the bullpen couldn't hold it together. We talked about it too. Like it wasn't the offense. The offense was scoring. Mm-hmm. The bullpen couldn't hold it together. So that's a, a, absolutely a need of improvement. Um, there are going to be flexibility with the young guys, but I, I, I do think Mike Rizzo is going to want a veteran guy. And speaking of which, the only other, not only other, I shouldn't say that, but another major part or of this roster where I think that we could see someone be added again. We'll talk more in depth about this next week. Uh, would be the, a veteran catcher, a veteran backup catcher. I think you're going to want to ride Kiber Ruiz and um, Riley, Riley Adams a lot, but I think Davey is going to want, we know how much Davey values the catcher position, how much he values Henry Blanco's input as a bullpen coach and catching coach. Um, I think Davey's going to want some kind of veteran presence out there to help guide these two young guys throughout the course of the season. Whether that's in maybe maybe that comes into a, a coaching hire. You know, we still have other coaches to hire. Maybe he hires a former catcher in that instance, mm-hmm. in that sense. But I, I, I would be surprised if the Nationals went the entire year next year with Key Bay Ruiz number one and Riley Adams number two. I think they would bring in a veteran guy. Right. I just don't think it's it's realistic. I think maybe if they were to have been with this team for longer than they were at the end of this past season, then maybe. Um, but they have so much more development to do and to have a veteran catcher there, you know, with them, I think I think that will likely be on the to do list mm-hmm. this offseason. Mm-hmm. Um the only other question mark I have for this offseason, and it's just this this has nothing to do with the Nationals or 
it's it's the CBA and it's it's winter meetings. Is it what 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 are we going to do here? I mean, we we can talk about this all all we want right now on October twenty sixth, but if we get December first all- and then the, you know we're in a lockout, I mean, what do we? We don't know if this is going to, we don't know how arbitration is going to work. We don't know if, you know, how free agency is going to work, how sign, is there going to be a salary cap? Whatever, you know, we, I mean, I doubt it, but there's a lot of question marks not in baseball as soon as the World Series ends. Right. So this is a hefty to-do list, um, but it's all going to be kind of irrelevant if Mm -hmm. there's a stoppage and we don't know about anything. We hope not. And maybe they'll surprise us. There hasn't been a work stoppage since 94. Mm -hmm. So maybe they'll surprise us and get it done. But I don't think anything is pointing in that direction. No, we'll we'll have to be keeping an ear to the ground and and looking out for that, of course, over the next month plus, month and a half. before we get out of here real quick, it, it is kind of, it's interesting to me. I don't know. Maybe people are sick of me talking about it. Maybe you're, but this world series starts tonight. Oh my goodness. Astros and um, the Braves, Braves, two teams that have ties to the nationals and, and, and Dusty Baker. And of course a division rival um, and, and a team that the nationals beat for a world series. And then uh, a division rival and the Braves that has been the class of the NL East for the past three or four years and in their worst season they make without their best right. player they make it to the world series i'm just conf- interested to see how you are looking at this world series and how nats fans are viewing this world yeah, series. no i think i'm i'm very of, out on it right oh i i yeah I, me too um i truly don't know who to root for but i think i'm going to go with what we talked about last week and i'm going with dusty baker um you know I want to see him win. As a, a Nationals fan, I don't think that you can root for the Braves, just yeah. like you said. Um, it's just probably so hard to believe for Nationals fans that the Braves are in the World Series. I know. When you saw this division as a whole this year, but specifically the Braves, after you know coming off of, you know, they were the division winners the year before. I was telling uh, Paul and Brendan before we went on air that it is very annoying to me as a fan, putting on my fan hat, that the Braves are making the World Series without their best player. Mm-hmm. Like, I could stomach it more and be like, okay, yeah, Acuna is one of the best players. And, like, he does, like, a Juan Soto-esque run like he like right. Juan did in, in 2019. But he's been out almost the entire year. And the Braves made the World Series. That's very obnoxious to me right. that they did without their best player. But, I mean, you know. And it's tip, still going to be tip the your cap, but it's that like, carry both of yeah. these teams. So, I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to be high scoring. It's going to be very high scoring. What is, what's your predictions? I'm going Astros in, I want to, I'm also, review, I reviewed our, oh our predictions. God. I got two matchups right in the entire bracket. The entire bracket. I got the Dodgers in the wild card game and then the Astros over the White Sox in, in the division series. That's it. I've been wrong every yeah. other spot. It's been bad. It's been terrible. So I don't know, but my prediction, it's not worth anything because right. I'm, I'm terrible at it. Um, but if I'm going on record, I'm going to go Astros in, I think seven would be cool. I think they get it done in six. I was going to say Astros in six, but I'll six. say Astros in seven. Okay. Since you said Astros in six. Maybe they'll make it interest, even more interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But yeah, I mean, I I want Dusty Baker to reach the mountaintop as, as a manager. Uh, he's what now one of a handful of guys who have won the pennant in both leagues. Going back to 2002 with the the Giants, so I, I'm really happy for him. I've seen a couple of Nats fans already, you know, being very vocal of being supportive of him. Um, it's just it's just tough that it is the Astros. Um, but 
you know, it is what it is. I mean, it, maybe they'll prove us wrong and it'll be a, an exciting matchup and, uh, you know, it'll be a high score. I think we'll be high scoring. That could that could add to some drama and some fun games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not just seeing, like, one nothing, two to one finals. You're seeing like some some offensive outputs. That could be that could be fun. Um, all right. Well, I think we're gonna kind of wrap this up a little. Early. Do you have anything else on the agenda? No, I think that's, you know, I think that pretty much completes their off season to do list. If they can even get to the off season to do list, yeah. um, and then of course we'll dive more into guys they need to protect. Uh, free agency, so on and so forth. Yeah, we'll start free agent conversation next week, and in a couple in two weeks we'll figure out something else and then three books will do that full protection of the rule five draft we'll get into some deep oh another thing i want to do some updates on the arizona fall league guys jackson oh, rutledge mm-hmm. being one of them being you know he's he's uh, let's 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 look at with them and see how they're performing uh, i think that's pretty important for you know some of these prospects getting some action out in arizona so let's talk about that maybe end in pod next week or the week after that um and yeah i mean that this is off-season podcasting right here it's just sometimes sometimes a struggle <laughs> sometimes it's short and sweet um but there should be news. There will be more stuff to talk about over the course of the next couple of weeks and, of course, leading up to what we think will be the winter meetings. Um, and, you know, Mark Zuckerman has you covered on MassInSports.com for any breaking news. Be sure to give him a follow. You can also follow the Mass and All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. News or not, we will be live every single week on Facebook and YouTube. And, of course, uh, catch the pod wherever you find podcasts after the fact. At Amy Jennings News for Amy on Twitter, I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. You can give Mass and Nationals a follow across the board on the social media big shout out to brendan mortensen for running the board behind the scenes we appreciate his help enjoy the world series everyone stay safe stay happy and we'll talk to you next week